Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now we come before you humbly and ask you to reveal your word to us in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm starting tonight in Hebrews. Hebrews connects us with Exodus. Um, so maybe you've studied Hebrews recently and maybe not. Talk about that epistle for just a minute. It is called the Epistle to the Hebrews. Well, that means it's. I'm going to be in Hebrews 8 and then in Hebrews 9, and there's so many more texts I'd like to go, but uh, is it up there? Yes. Okay. Um, but I, I'm just trying to hit a little highlight here so that we can have a we can have a connector to Exodus. So I'm in Hebrews 8, and this is verse 5. Okay, you can look up earlier, and it's talking about uh, the things of the tabernacle and the, 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 the order was given. It was a divine instruction to Moses uh, from, from Yahweh. Uh, and we'll, we'll see that when we get to Exodus as well. But I want to read here and make some comments and and a couple of other slides, and then we get into Exodus. Those things, tabernacle, etc., serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly. That is the heavenly reality. As Moses, well, here it is, as Moses was divinely instructed about to complete the tabernacle, for he says, that's Yahweh, see, see that you shall make all things according to the pattern having been shown you on the mountain. Okay. We're at that, we're at that spot where, uh, wrong one. We're at that spot in Exodus. Moses is up there. He's been called up higher than everybody else and he's in the cloud. Uh, and the ordinances have been given and all the Ten Commandments have been given. And now he's being given, the, 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 among other things, he's being given the pattern to the tabernacle up there. Now note, Moses was divinely instructed. Now this was right before he came back to complete the tabernacle. And Yahweh says to him, make it like I tell you to make it. So there's a reason for the details of the tabernacle. So let's, let's move on then, and we're still in Hebrews, and we're in chapter 9 now. And I'm going to be in verse 8. I guess that's verses 8 through 12. By this the Holy Spirit was signifying that the way into the holy places has not been made manifest. The first tabernacle still standing. Okay, it's a letter to the Hebrews, right? The Hebrews have been brought up in their culture, under their law, the Torah. They've, they've been ordered to do things all their lives, to observe rituals, to observe sacrifices, feast days, and, and included in there, most of them about man-made, but fasting, days of fasting. As long as long as you count on the tabernacle, which is 
which is just a foreshadow of the reality. I like to put it this way. People in the Old Testament were saved on credit. It was a credit card. That debt's going to have to be paid somewhere, all right? Now, if you keep, if you keep shifting into that after the account's been closed, you're not going to get very far. Because after the cross, it goes from a credit card to a debit card. All the money's already there. All the, all the accounting for righteousness. But they're looking forward to it. Now, the Holy Spirit here says to the Hebrews, you don't really know the real way. The, the illustration, the shadow, the pattern is still standing if that's what you depend on. It's just a symbol. See that? In which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, but they are not able to make the worshiper perfect regarding his conscience. Because it consists only in foods and drinks, various washings, ordinances of the flesh, until the time of reformation being imposed. However, Christ having appeared as high priest of good things, having come by the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands that is not of this creation, nor by blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered once for all into the holy places, having obtained eternal redemption. Now, let me talk about that for just a couple of minutes. Hebrew, the Hebrews are struggling. They are trying to claim to be Christians while at the same time attending to the things of the temple and depending on the rituals. I got to have this, but I've got Jesus. Well, you, it doesn't work that way. Jesus has wiped this out. Uh, so, it's not, in other words, what he says is the fact that it's a symbol has not been made manifest to you. You're not the real thing. Um, in another, in chapter 6 and in chapter 10 of Hebrews, it talks about having once been enlightened and all that. A lot of people get confused about that. It, it's a reference to the problems early Christians who were Hebrews were struggling with. I can't forsake the temple. Well, the, 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 the veil of the temple has been torn in half. There is no presence of God in the temple. Uh, so, you know, you're not doing anything. You're just, you're just doing some kind of uh, ritual that is meaningless because Christ is the real thing. He is the reality. All those centuries, the symbol was the tabernacle and then, of course, later the, the temple. Now Christ has appeared. This is what he says. Now look at this. He says, speaking of Christ, by the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is not of this creation. There is presently in heaven, I've said this before, but there is this temple in heaven. This temple gives to Almighty God the perfection of what has been feebly attempted in the temple 
on earth. And of course, Christ now is, is our Passover and he's our sacrifice and all. But there is still a ritual that goes on and it doesn't end until the first heaven and first earth have passed away. That's when John in the Revelation says, and there was no night there, and there was no temple there. Well, there's no need for one anymore. Um, so a lot of things are going on in heaven, much of which we don't understand, nor are we told. But we can get a grip of what God is doing by studying the tabernacle. Now, in the Revelation we have this glimpse of the heavenly pattern of things. Now, let me go to that. Did I get it? Ah, yeah. Okay, look at this. Here's the earthly tabernacle over here. Here's the heavenly temple over here. All right. Uh, the entrance, there's a veil through which you must go to get into this part. Um this is not to scale, but here's the Holy of Holies. Um, this is a courtyard where people would gather. Now, what we're studying is this. You first go to the brazen altar and then the labor of cleansing. They're brass. We're going to study the materials here in just a couple of minutes. Here is the holy place and the Holy of Holies. In the holy place, the altar of incense, we're going to discuss all this in a few minutes. The golden table, the golden lampstand, uh, where the showbread is, all that. Now let's look over here. The best that we can imagine. This again, of course, is not scale. You can imagine how vast this really would be. Um, the heavenly sea, right? The seven lampstands, the altar of incense, the multitudes are gathered. The throne and the throne room, which is where God is seen in the early part of the Revelation. Okay, so here are the elders on either side. And then here on either side are the cherubim. Uh, the rainbow and the glory of the Lord. Cherubim are here as well. Cherubim, 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 cherubim. Elders. Elders. So this is a pattern of, of the way that it works out on earth, but this is the, per, the perfect thing here in heaven, the heavenly temple. Uh, if you want to study that, you can go to the Revelation chapters 1 and 2, and, and well, even all the way through, I guess, into, verse, into, into chapter 4. Well, actually, all the way through the thing because the bowls of wrath that come out from the temple that are poured out, that goes all the way into what, the Revelation 15 or something like that. So it's not a waste of time, really. What we're told, let me go back, what we're told here in Hebrews, a copy and a shadow of the heavenly reality, and the reality is fulfilled in the Christ of God. Um, enters into the holy uh, once for all, 
for our redemption through his own blood into the holy places. That's in the, that's in the heavenly temple. Okay, now, we are now to Exodus chapter 25. Okay. You know, you could probably, I, I found it in a group of, of articles that I study. And I'm sure there's something similar to that if you just Google, you know, um, the illustrations of the earthly tabernacle, the heavenly temple, or, or the, the symbolism of the earthly tabernacle, something like that. If you Google that, you'll probably find out, have all kind of stuff. Especially if you go to images, you know, you go over to images, you'll see all kind of things there. And I, matter of fact, last week I think was it last week that I showed some of those things that that have showed the pillar of fire and all that at night and everything. Okay, Yahweh spoke to Moses. Okay, so here we go. Speak to the sons of Israel and have them take for me an offering. You know, God does not receive an offering; He takes it. From every person whose heart inspires him to generosity, you shall take my offering. Have we covered this part yet? Huh? Okay. Now, we've, we've covered all of this. I'm, I'm going back to it to talk. I said we would go back and talk about the, the meaning of all that stuff, right? So we've, 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 is, no, is there any need for me to read it all over again? Uh the poles and all that. We've studied it. We've, we've read through that, right? Right. Okay. So we're just going to now look at the symbolism of what we're talking about. Um, now, three parts to this thing, of course, the general area of the tabernacle, the inner court, the Holy of Holies. Um, we're not covering... We're not covering some of the things that are in there yet. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, the brazen altar. He's just gathering. This is, okay, he's taking up an offering of all the stuff they brought out of Egypt. And these all, now look, okay, here's, here's Yahweh speaking directly to Moses, giving him specific instructions. This is what I want in the offering. But wouldn't it be great? All right, listen, I got to tell you this. There was a preacher, I'm not going to call his name, but there was a preacher that I knew, and he was the greatest offering taker I've ever seen. Um, and he was sometimes, and he had a pretty big church himself, he was sometimes paid by churches just to come and appeal for an offering. That's honest truth. <laughs> professional, whatever. Anyway, he was sincere when he did it. I don't think he charged anything, but that always gave him a love offer for coming. <laughs> Here, we'll give you 10% of everything. I don't know if that's what I don't. <laughs> I'm just saying that. I'm not, I don't know that. But I tell you this. He had a big event every year at his church. One night I was there. Pat and I were there. Did you get 10%? Now here, and that's, that's peanuts, man. Um, he said, ladies, I just want y'all to sit still and enjoy yourselves. I don't want a single lady to touch her purse or stand up. But I want all the men in here to stand up. Well, what you going to do, you know? 
So we all stood up. All right, man, we should take that hand and reach in and get that wallet and pull it up and shake it like this. All the men, what are you going to do? You know, you're, so you got your wallet, you shook it like this, you know. All right, guys. He said, this is going to be an easy night for you. Easy night for you. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open that wallet and consider the bills that you have in your wallet, the cash money you got in your wallet. Now, he said, I want you to take the biggest bill that you have in your wallet and fold it up and just put it in your shirt pocket. So if it was a 20, you know. Now, I want you to put everything else in the offering plate. <laughs> That's what he said. Everything else under that bill, I want you to put it in the offering plate. I mean, they, they had about 20 people taking up an offering, and they, the, the bills were falling out of the floor. <laughs> and, you know, that made you kind of feel good. Whew, he's not going to take my 20. You know, <laughs> I got three tens and four fives and six ones. But he ain't gonna take. He's leaving me my twenty. <laughs> no, you, you're in the you're in the presence of the Lord there. You know. Oh boy, could he take up an offering? Hey, cut us a break. Keep that biggest one for yourself. Give the Lord everything else. <laughs> well, that's, I didn't go. That was the only night I went. Uh, uh, well, the Lord here, I like that I said that to say this. The Lord says, I want to start with their gold, right? <laughs> then the silver and the brass. Okay, notice Yahweh is talking. And the value of the materials is diminishing. When it goes out from him down to man. Gold, silver, and brass. Uh, blue, purple, crimson, or scarlet wool, linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, tachash skins. What's that? What was it? Badger? What is it? Badger, Badger skins. Um, acacia wood, oil for lighting. Okay, we're going to stop right up here with this stuff, verses 3, 4, and 5. I don't know how far we're going to get tonight. Um, there's been a lot of study. Okay, this connects. Okay, remember this. We are connected, according to the book of Hebrews, we are connected to what's going on right here. There's, there's an illustration of the work of God. Who enters into the Holy of Holies to obtain eternal redemption once for all and accomplishes everything that was ever intended to be accomplished by God? Christ. We saw that in the book of Hebrews. Here's what that tells us. That tells us that everything about this whole thing has to do with the person and the ministry of Christ. Now, they're thinking of redemption and they're thinking of, of Yahweh providing for them a way that they can come into his presence. And it, it has its... Um, it, it has its... Uh, worth in that for the people because they don't realize it, but they are finally bringing us, they are laying a foundation and putting a series of connecting blocks together that lead us finally to the cross of Christ 
where Christ accomplishes everything. Now, we're going to talk about these colors as we go along later on because this is just receiving the material. This is not putting it together yet. Okay? With that in mind, you couldn't go into the tabernacle. I'm a little ahead of myself, but that's, that's okay. Um, you couldn't go into the tabernacle without first passing the brazen altar. Now, that's where the blood sacrifices were offered that, that portray the saving work of Christ. You can't, get in, you can't get anywhere close to the presence of God until you deal with your sin. So nobody could go past that. Anybody that went in there had to go right to that brazen altar. So this makes, this makes salvation, the washing within. The, the, there was the, just beyond that, we saw it in the, in the uh, illustration there. Just beyond that was the, the, braze, the, the brass, the laver. Now that was that was a symbol. It was symbol symbolic of washing away the sin on the basis of a sacrificial work that had been done. So this is the only way you can come into the place where the presence of God is, and still you're not there, but you did the first and most important thing on the Day of Atonement in the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat where the blood was sprinkled. The mercy seat was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, a box made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. Gold is God. That's deity. Silver is redemption. Brass is man or sin. It's, it's where sin is dealt with. So once you pass through this, then you, go, then you have redemption, which brings you into the presence of God. Okay? So we have gold, silver, and brass. Now we have blue and purple and scarlet or, or crimson wool. This is, this, is, this is something that really... Well, it's all deep. It's everything is deep. I'm just going to hit it on the on the highlights, okay? Let me read this again. Blue, purple, crimson wool, linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red, uh, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil and for the altar of in, the incense, the altar of incense. Shoham stones, uh, filling stones for the ephod and the chosen. Uh, that has to do with the priest, the high priest. Uh, make me a sanctuary while I'll dwell in their midst. Pattern of the Mishkan, the, the, the pattern of all of its vessels, and so you shall do. Ark of acacia wood. I'm not talking about measurements yet. I'm talking about material. Overlay it with pure gold. Okay, the acacia wood is the humanity of Christ. The gold is the deity of Christ. The deity of, of the, God the God-man, all right? What does he carry within himself? The law. The perfect, the law. What and where is the only place 
where people can be atoned for by the blood. Mercy seat. Ark of the Covenant. All right. Uh, Overlay it with gold, a golden crown. I think we looked at that a little bit last time. Cast four golden rings, place on the four corners, two rings on one side, two rings on the other. Make poles of a case you would, overlay them with gold, poles on the rings, sides of the ark. Okay, the ark, I'm going to pass through this quickly because I'm just wanting to remind you of what the materials are here. Uh, they shall not be removed from it. Place the ark of the, uh, you shall place into the ark the testimony which I will give you. Make an ark cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits length. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, make two golden cherubim. Uh, we talked about that. Their wings, one on either end, their wings raised up and facing toward each other. And when it talks about the shadow of his wings and so forth, it, it talks about what happens there on the mercy seat. Uh, so it, it, we've, we've talked about that. I'm, I'm looking at material now, not to... Ark cover from above. Arrange my meetings with you there. I'll speak of him atop the ark cover. Between the two cherubim, they're upon the ark of the testimony, and I will command you to the sons of Israel, that I will come, all that I will command. A table of acacia wood, uh, overlay it with pure gold, golden crown all around. Uh, the size of it, uh, four golden rings, rings on the four corners that are on its four legs. Make poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold. Tables should be carried with them. Everything, okay, now let's talk about the poles. The poles show us that the presence of God goes with his people wherever they are. So once the poles were inserted, they had to always be there, and they could, whenever they, whenever they moved, the presence of God moved. Or... Whenever the pillar of fire cranked up and God started moving, the people had to start moving. Uh, this was the presence of God and it was always with his people. Okay, so gold uh, is deity. It's God, divine glory. Overlaying wood is the divine nature of Christ who became a man. Silver represents the value and work of redemption. Brass is where judgment is carried out upon sin. When, when Christ is seen in the Revelation, he has this perfect high priest garment on, and his feet, the Bible says, his feet are like burnished brass. That's because he's been stamping out sin. He's been dealing with sin, putting it under his feet. Now we had blue. Of course, that's, that's a, there's a sapphire over his head uh, mentioned in, in Ezekiel and, and all. It speaks, it speaks of how his presence is everywhere, the heavenly character and presence of the Lord. Purple is royalty. The crimson or the scarlet, that's the earthly, pure presence and glory of Christ. Fine linen is mentioned. That is symbolic of spotless purity. The robes are washed in the blood of the lamb. The robes are pure. And the only way a person can have pure linen is because he came by way of Christ. 
the goat's hair speaks of, and that's, we're talking, we're not there yet, but it talks about the veil and so forth, speaks of the absolute separation of Christ from all outward evil and sin. Now we have the ram's skins that are dyed red. This is the absolute devotion of Christ the Son to God the Father. Talk more about that when we get into how it's used as a covering. Just hitting the high points. Badger's skins is symbolic of repelling every form of outward evil. Acacia wood, of course, the humanity, what did I do? Of Christ. I didn't think this was going with you. It's not, because I've already read all of it. Okay. Um, we looked at oil that they were supposed to collect. The oil is for the light, which that's always the presence of the Spirit of God. The spices he mentioned to collect for anointing oil and for the incense, the sweet incense. Um, the energy of the Holy Spirit, the sweetness of it, and the intercession of Christ. This intercession, when certain things are done by the Old Testament worshiper, the aroma that ascends then is incense, is a sweet-smelling savor uh, to God as intercession. The various stones that are mentioned speak of various glories of Christ. The stones, the breastplate, and so forth, we haven't gotten completely there yet, so I won't talk about that too much. The ark is the highest type of Christ in the twofold glory of his person, God and man, where God comes to man. He was perfectly seen, seen as perfectly being adapted to the wilderness experiences and the journeys of his people, the rings, the, 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 rod, the rods, and so forth. The altar of incense, it was made of acacia wood overlaid with pure gold, rings and, and, and poles, surrounded with a golden crown. We saw that. Holy meeting place, between God and the saint with respect to worship, the showbread. We're not completely there yet, so we'll talk about that more as we get there. Uh, of course, he's crowned, and we offer the sacrifice of praise. That's seen, the, the comparison is seen in Hebrews 13. Um, when Christ in Hebrews 8 and 9 comes into the Holy of Holies on him, on his own merits. He does so based on his personal merits and the person of who he is, uh, which, of course, is accepted. He is accepted by the Father. Um, some of this other stuff we haven't gotten to yet. The cherubim. It's a plural. Cherubim. They're made out of the same piece of gold is the mercy seat, which is interesting. One on either side of the covering, outstretched wings. The divine judicial aspect of the administration of God 
is seen is seen deposited to a certain extent in the in the divine persons that are known as cherubim. Those are the guys that have the four faces, right? They're the ones who are seen in Ezekiel. They're seen again in the Revelation. They were first charged with guarding the way to the tree of life back in Genesis with a flaming sword. Um, there were at least five of them. Ezekiel 29 says that their, their chief, their captain, fell, who is Lucifer. So he's a, he's a cherubim. He's, he's a strong dude. He's powerful. That's why he's perfect in wisdom and in beauty, the Bible says in Ezekiel 20, uh, 29. Ezekiel 28 and 29. So um, there are still four of them who are unfallen, and they bear up, they bear up each corner of the Merkabah chariot throne of the Son of God. That's also seen in Ezekiel. Uh, they move... If the Holy Spirit of God says that something moves swiftly, you can figure that's fast. Uh, it's, it's so fast that, it's, that we can't imagine it. They are now four in number, not five. Five is the number of grace, but, but four is the number of, of nature. Um, it's north, south, east, west. It's, uh, it's, it's how God acts judiciously in a powerful way and he chooses to use the cherubim to do so. So what, what God is saying is, you think of these guys who are like, they're like uh, policemen and, and everything. They're just real powerful in, in their judicial activities. And, and they work in nature according to the will of God. The Bible says, talking about those wheels within wheels in Ezekiel, when the Spirit of God would go this way, they would go that way. And the Spirit of God would go this and that would go that way. This and that. And they move very swiftly. So they are, they're carrying out things as very powerful beings that we probably don't quite understand just yet. But they, they're the ones who give the fourfold hallelujah in heaven in the book of the Revelation. So, uh, so the cherubim and their presence there being in gold doesn't mean that they're God, but it means with, their, with themselves bowed and their wings outstretched, they are performing the will of God submissively. And they have those four faces which are representative of all the all of the lifestyles of, uh, of, of the animal kingdom as well as man's face on there. Um, so, so they're working in very powerful ways uh, that, we can't, uh, that we can't quite comprehend. Maybe we will someday. So they're there and um, with, of course, the person of Christ and God's directives through the cherubim, that everything, that everything is absolutely carried out judicially, administratively, according to the will and purpose of God. Those four guys. He, Satan's tough. He's tough. But there's four others just like him. And there's a difference. They are unfallen and he is fallen. 
There has to be a weakness to the one who has fallen that the unfallen ones have not suffered. So, you know, they're kind of like the bullies. They, they can kick Satan around. I mean, four of them, you know. Um, so, so we don't think about it much and we're not supposed to worship angels and we, we ought not to think about them too much other than just what the Bible says about them. Uh, but those guys, they're, they're friends of ours. <laughs> they're okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be glad for them. Now, I didn't get... What time is it? Okay, I'm, I don't have enough time to go to the, the menorah and all the, uh, the stuff that I want to talk to. There's, there's lots to be said here about the menorah and everything about it. And the showbread on the table... Uh, we're going to stop here. I don't even know what verse I was at. What was I at? Uh, verse 26 or so. Somewhere in there. We got to the menorah. I'll remember that. And the... This won't be near as boring to read next year. <laughs> well, the way to study, in my view, the way to study the Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy well, and numbers. The way to study those things is to keep Hebrews here and the Gospels here and the Old Testament books of Moses here uh, because here's Christ, here's Hebrews explaining Christ in light of all of this uh, and what Christ has accomplished. Hebrews has said all of this is here. All of this is here. All of this is here. That's what the book of Hebrews says. The Hebrews is, you have all these details, but the writer to the Hebrews has the privilege of being able to look back on that and he can sort of give a generalization. You know all that stuff that was in the tabernacle that God told Moses to put in there? Well, here's a few reasons why it's that way. But it all rests in Christ who through his own blood passes into the Holy of Holies uh, and accomplishes everything that all that stuff said to do. Okay, well, I'm going to stop there, and God willing, we'll pick up there next time. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Oh, how we love your word and how everything points to Christ, who died to save us, who lives to keep us, and who's coming again for us. So we thank you for all that he has done for us, and we pray in his name. Amen.